1: Coors Brewing
0: Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: Go. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another Forever Mighty postgame show, Sunday morning edition. Eddie, what's going on, man?
2: Not much. You know, dealing with some technical difficulties here, but uh, we're back up running live. Everything's good to go. It's uh, another coming off another win, another maybe undeserved win against the Arizona Coyotes. But, hey,
1: what are you, you going to do? When you start the season 2-0-0, you got to be a little bit happy. Hey, man, four points in the bank early. That's what I'm worried about. I don't, I don't care how they're getting them, right? Uh, no, actually, I do. That I, I, I was such a frustrating game to watch. <laughs> no, yeah, you can't, you can't do this all season and
2: expect to. Like, There's no way John Gibson, as good as he is, is going to be able to do this all season and win games like this for the Ducks. I mean, this is one of the best games I've seen him play in a long time. And that's saying something with how good he's been over the last few years. So just an outstanding effort from him.
1: All right, we'll get more to Gibby because it's going to be the Gibby show again, just like we talked about on Wednesday night. But uh, Gibbons is back in the lineup. Aubert gets scratched probably because he was unnoticeable and took a penalty last game. Uh, Schuster is in for Shin. So you're basically trading uh, Pylon for Pylon there. Uh, Same defensive pairings, which is very curious. I I don't understand what the hell Randy Carlisle is doing at this point because it didn't look good last game. And clearly when we get into this show, you guys will find out it was more the same. Uh, new fourth line was paired together uh, Street, Rowney, and Gibbons obviously with Gibbons back in the lineup so that's a you know a new line here for the Ducks Sherwood jumps up uh, with Steele and Cogliano and the curious case of no Lundstrom still not getting his NHL debut in the regular season uh, I, I don't know I kind of felt like they could have made that happen for him No,
2: I feel like I, I mean again I you know, Street at one point was waived didn't get sent down and it's weird to have Lindström make the team, essentially, but then also ride the bench for the first two games. Um, I guess it means they've liked what they've seen from Ben Street. I don't want to say he's done bad, but, I mean, if you're going to have the kid make the team, why would you not play him? Um, you know, either send him down to the AHL if he wants to do that, or he also has the option to go back to Sweden. Maybe they think he's leaning towards going back to Sweden. So they want to you know, hold out, give him a, maybe a couple games when they feel he's ready and, and then see what they can do from there. And if he goes back to Sweden, whatever. But uh, at some point, he's got to get a game. I mean, this the, they've got two wins, yes, but they haven't been impressive. Not that Lindstrom's going to come and make a huge difference, but I think if you're going to have him make the team, you gotta you got to see what he can do. At least give him a couple games.
1: Yeah, and he still might. I think he still might get a couple in yeah. here. I think Randy's probably just thinking about where he's going to slot him in. Um, there was also a major issue g- going to be coming the Ducks way with Ryan, Ryan Getzloff being injured in this game, only playing about nine minutes. Uh, didn't see the ice any further after he went to the locker room. That's a little concerning considering um, what he means to this team. He's probably right up there with John Gibson as to how important and how much he drives play uh, for the Ducks. Uh, that's a huge loss for the Ducks if it's anything long term.
2: Yeah, and it, it's one of those injuries where you can't really pinpoint what happened. I mean, he was just skating, pulled up lame. Whether it's a hamstring, I don't know. They're just, of course, saying it's a lower body injury at this point. But you, you can tell it was his right leg when he was skating off the ice. And, you know, if it's a hamstring, that could be any you know anywhere from two to four weeks, if not more. So you can't really have him go out when you've already got your second best center, arguably, in Ryan Kessler out of the lineup. You've got Corey Perry, Patrick Ease, Andre Kasha. And then you have the captain and your best player go out. I don't know what they're going to be able to do. I mean, Lindstrom would have to check in at that point, and you would have to go with something down the middle of Henrik Steele and Lindstrom with Carter Rowney centering the fourth line that you just went from having maybe some of the best center depth when everybody's healthy in the NHL to playing two rookies on your second and third line. Uh, that That's a tough loss. I don't know how they would overcome it. Obviously, no updates yet, but uh, I think we all hope that he's healthy because there's no way that if he's out, they're going to get any better anytime soon.
1: No. Well, Eddie, let's kick the show off, man. We got a lot to talk about on this one just because uh, we got to figure out these ducks, man, and where they're <laughs> headed. Try to
0: get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets a center. Perry. Scores. Corey Perry. Well, you able
2: to take away from Solani. It's giving away to Solani. Well, how do, we even, how do we even start this? I mean, just this game, even though it was a win, was just so unimpressive. And that's saying something considering how they played in the first game against the Sharks. I mean, you expect it against the Sharks team that's supposed to be good this year, but against a, a Cardi's team I know you're high on, but they're not supposed to be this good, and they really just beat up on the Ducks all game. But somehow,
1: really, because of John Gibson, they came out with a win. Uh, it was the first and third period that I was just blown away by the, the lack of puck control by the Ducks. Uh, and they didn't know what to do with the puck when they had it. They didn't have it very often. That third period was really concerning to me. It wasn't like they played back-to-backs. But uh, let's start off with the first period, man. You want to take it away?
2: Yeah, uh, I mean, it, it started with a penalty for Fisher for goaltender interference, which is a little bit suspect. Uh, he kind of just got a poke check in on Gibson. The thing that was important about this, though, is we got to see Power Play 2 come out, and it's come to us, Steele and Terry. Which, I mean, with all the injuries, you can kind of suspect that, you know, the first unit has Getzlaff, Henrik, you know, so I, I kind of get it, but it's a, a real tall task for these rookies to go out there all together. I know people wanted to see them all on the line, but you could see them on power play too, and they didn't look out of place. So it's pretty interesting to see them all together.
1: No, it was a good look. Um, I feel like that's that's something that they're just gonna take time to gel together before that, you know, kind of gets hot at any point. So uh, it was nice to see the kids being paired together by Randy. But then again, he doesn't have a choice, so it was good yeah. to see that. But at the same time, don't get don't get too happy about him playing the kids. He's kind of he has no one else to do it.
2: Yeah, exactly. Like you're not gonna play Gibson or Gibbons and Rowney and um, Cogliano on the power play. So I mean, it makes sense to have those guys in there. Uh, but then the first real chance for the Ducks came actually shorthanded. Uh, Suster took a hooking penalty, and then Getzlav blocks the shot, gets a breakaway, and uh, I think Ranta gets a piece of it. I wasn't really sure. Uh, Getzlaff goes to the backhand and kind of shovels it over the net. It looks like Ronta maybe got a bit with his blocker, but really one of the only good chances the Ducks had all game, and Getzlaff couldn't cash in.
1: If he didn't get a a, a piece of that puck... If Ranta didn't tip that at all, I mean, Getzloff missed that by, like, six feet above the net. That yeah. was that was like, holy hell, Getz. Like, why not try to go back and take the shot right away? He's got a great shot. Just unfortunate it happens. You can't score every time, but a good look there for Getz.
2: Yeah, and then another, I guess it was kind of a penalty filled first period of bit. Arizona takes their second penalty. Ekman Larson goes off for tripping right after that breakaway that Getzloff had. Goes to four and four. And then the Coyotes just dominated. I mean, anytime it was 5-on-5, five 4-on-4 five, four four in this game, the Coyotes were all over the Ducks. Step-on gets a half breakaway, saved by Gibson, which is what we're going to be saying a lot in this uh, review here. And and his glove hand, even early, was looking good. He was making some, some difficult saves look
1: easy early on. Yeah, man, it's the Gibby show. That's what we said in the pregame. Yeah. It's all John Gibson, man. And I don't know how long he's going to be able to keep up this pace of play if the Ducks aren't able to join him in playing because – he's eventually going to start to get lit up. It's just the way it goes Um, in some of these games. They're not going to be able to squeak out these close victories, but Giddy's just hot to start, man. I love it.
2: And that's what I'm saying. I mean, he's getting no help either, right? It's not like they're just playing a very good team and Gibson is playing out of his mind. Even look like in the first game, I mean, Hurdle's goal, Fowler gets walked, uh, Kane's goal, Manson gets walked. I mean, he's not getting a lot of help. There wasn't really much he could do on either of them. And even in this one with this step on breakaway, and we'll see later in the game, just not getting a lot of help, and you know, it. it, it how long can he really keep this up?
1: It, it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's the curious thing to me is the defensive pairs. I don't understand why why Randy Carlisle and Bob Murray don't make a change. I mean, everyone He's can that blame the last game, right? Like, I know, and we're two games in, but it's like they're getting caved in, yeah. so bad these last two games. It's one thing to say, like, oh, yeah, I was against the Sharks. They're the Pacific Division, you know, darlings to win. Uh, Not only the division, but maybe the Western Conference and maybe go to the final. I mean, that's a long road. Um, And they haven't looked outstanding. But we're talking two games into the season for everybody about. So it's hard to bash either team. But the Ducks, they're not even keeping it close. I mean, they're absolutely just getting thrashed in their own zone. They can't skate the puck out of the zone. They can't get through the neutral zone. Um, I don't know. if This is a coaching issue. Uh, People just not come to play. I I can't figure it out, but they need to change it up. I'm really concerned with how these defensive pairs looked. Uh, It was really concerning this game, though, because this should have been an easier game than the Sharks.
2: No, it was the first period was typical dump and chase hockey for the Ducks. I mean, they couldn't get anything going shot attempts were 18 to 7 for Arizona. Scoring chances were 10 to 2. I mean, the Ducks just really didn't have anything. And one of those scoring chances was Getzlav's shorthanded breakaway. And that was really the best play of the period for the Ducks. John Gibson, though, comes in huge at the end of the first period. I mean, what a save. I mean, Ekman Larson, for one, was all over the place for Arizona in this game. Poor zone coverage. It, it, I thought when I saw this play, it was a power play for Arizona when I was looking back and looking at the highlights today because there's, I think, Silverberg and two other guys skate right to the middle. And then Ekman Larson is just waiting, back door by himself. And Gibson somehow stretches out, makes an amazing toe save to keep this puck out. I don't know how he does this on a regular basis. I mean, just the athleticism that he has is unbelievable.
1: Yeah, a little bit of athleticism, a little bit of being good, and probably a lot of luck at that point, right? You just yeah. got to read the play, make that stretch save. It was like near the goal line. Beautiful save by Gibby there again. Just, I don't know, man. He's, he's just... Uh, he's unreal. He's the reason why the Ducks are anywhere uh, last season, and the fact that he got snubbed for a Vesna. I know we're two games in, but I mean, if he continues to be hot like this, it's hard to argue that any you know any other way is going to happen this year without him being involved in that conversation yet again.
2: Yeah, I you know it's unbelievable. The first, I mean, we we knew this is going to be a big season for him, but the way he started these first two games. Uh, again, I mean, the, the only thing you can really blame him for slightly is that Kane goal. He kind of let it squeak through, but again, there was nothing he could do on the Thomas Hurdle goal, and in this one, he was perfect. He did nothing wrong in this game. Forty-one save shutout. He's in mid-season form to start the season, and that's despite a first period where the Coyotes outshot the Ducks eleven to five. They had all the pressure. You know, the, really the only notable forage for the Ducks in this period were come to on Sherwood. I mean, Getzloff had the breakaway, but other than that, he wasn't doing much. It was just a, a massive period for John Gibson. and I mean, it continues throughout the whole game, but the Ducks gotta figure this out. I mean, this is a team that shouldn't be doing this to the Ducks, and, and this is a team who notoriously can't score. They haven't scored in their first two games of the regular season. A lot of that has been due to goaltending with Bishop and Gibson that the that, uh, that Cardies have played so far, but this is a team that is not that great offensively. They're missing Galchenyuk. They're missing Christian Dvorak. Basically, their two top
1: centers, and they just outplayed the Ducks easily in the first period. Yeah, I mean, like you said, man, shots were eleven to five. If you look at all situations, not just five on five, the Ducks gave up was it fifteen scoring chances against, and they only had five. And yeah. that's just that's just not going to win you games, man. It's just that's not the way to play hockey. You got to get some of that zone pressure. And, you know, the Ducks were oh, have always been noted to be that team that plays heavy down low, I meaning they grind it out in the corners, cycle the puck, big bodies down low. They've always liked to play that top-heavy hockey with Getzloff, Perry, and you name the left wing that gets open for the shot, right? Um, it just hasn't been that type of hockey. I know we're missing Perry, uh, and now Getzloff's hurt, so it's it's not going to help the situation whatsoever. But I don't even know if uh, with a healthy Getzloff, if he's really shown that... He's going to be that type of player early on, and I know it's tough to say two games in, but I mean, like you just said, the most notable forward on this team has been Maxim Comtowell, the rookie.
2: Yeah, which isn't a, it. It's a good thing and a bad thing for the Ducks. It's a good thing because you know we wanted these rookies to come in and make an impact. But the guys were expecting to haven't really. And I guess in the first game, Silverberg looked good. He he got an assist in this game. He has four assists in the first two games. So he's been good. Raquel had three points in the first game. Montour looked pretty good. So there were some guys who looked good in the first game. I mean, the Ducks scored five goals, so the offense was going. They still got outplayed, but at least they were getting some chances, and that showed in the the four goals that they scored and then the empty netter. In this one, it was a complete regression. I, I mean, they really had three good scoring chances this game and Maxim Comtois was able to convert one shorthanded, handed or, or five-hole, so I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, I get there's a lot of injuries, and, and you really even see it in the start of the second period here, they struggled through, with zone time to start this period, in the first period, throughout the entire game, shots were 5-2 Arizona, five minutes into the period, and then the Ducks kind of woke up for a bit, maybe the, the only point in this game where they, they woke up was about the second half of the second period, where they kind of started getting things going, I mean, Gibson was still continuing to play well and made a couple good saves on Ekman Larson again. Uh, Sherwood got a breakaway ran out of room, and Ranta made the save. That was that, funny. He ends yeah. up
1: pulling over Ronta there, too. It's like, damn it, Sherwood shoot the buck.
2: <laughs> I, and that, that that's probably, I mean, nerves a bit. I mean, this, that was his first. I, he's going to oh, score 100%, a goal eventually. Man. Yeah, he's going to score eventually. He was all over the place. He looked really good in this game. And, and we compared him to Andre Cash on the last show, where he's just kind of an energy guy, he's all over the place. And uh, used his speed to get the break weight. I think he overthought it a bit because you you saw him trying to make the move to if he was going to shoot, and then he just ran out of room and ran right into Antiranta. So not much he could do. But with a couple uh, about a minute, I think, left in the second period, Fowler makes a great play. I mean, he 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 has a bounce pass off the boards. Kuntwaz in great position on a breakaway, and he scores five hole again. So he's got two two games, two goals, both five hole. And just a cool finish from a guy who's a, a rookie playing in his second NHL game.
1: Hey, man, he also had someone draped all over him, too. wasn't like he was in 100% alone, right? He had some people in on him as well. So yeah. that was a beautiful goal by him. Again, another five-hole goal. He's on pace to score 82, my friend.
2: <laughs> Imagine that. I, I mean, obviously, it's not going to happen, but I, I want to like tame expectations a bit. Obviously, everybody's hyped up. Like, this is a great start for this kid, but... I mean, if we remember the last guy who I think the last guy I can remember who scored his first in his first two games for the Ducks was Alex Grant on defense. And uh, we don't really hear his name anymore. I think he's in the, with the Senators. He's not really here. And, and obviously, Maxim Comte was a higher-rated player than he was. But, yeah, I mean, you got to taper expectations a bit. I, I think it's a great start for him. But, you know, maybe he gets a, a promotion up to Getzlaff's line. We'll see. I, I think he's making a case to stick around. But, you know, anyway, the Ducks leading 1-0 after the second period. Little bit better effort. I mean, they, they brought the shot total a little bit closer. They're still getting outshot 19 to 16, but they, they kind of brought it closer after getting outshot 11 to 5 in the first period. They were still in the Coyotes' favor for shot attempts, but again, like I said, it was closer scoring chances for even. The Ducks had more high danger chances, so they, you know, it looked like things were actually turning around. This is probably one of the better periods they've had shot attempt wise and puck possession wise this season, all through the first two games. But they still
1: got outplayed by the Coyotes. Yeah, more of the same, except it was a little closer. That's 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 kind of like all you can say about the Ducks' second period there. Yeah, and Lindholm and Montour
2: still weren't having a great night. Fowler and Manson really not. I mean, the best pairing numbers-wise was Suster and Pedersen. Yeah, Suster and Pedersen, which probably shouldn't be. I don't know. Jesus, what, Is that like,
1: because they didn't play a lot and they just they, they yeah, saw the easy minutes? That has to be it. Yeah,
2: that that has to be it. I, I mean, at what point do you? You look at these pairings and say, why, why are we doing this? Why do we not go back to Lindholm-Manson, because you know that works, and give Fowler and Montour another shot, because at the end of the season last year it was working out, and we didn't get to see it in the playoffs because Fowler got hurt. So I, I don't understand why this change came about. I don't see what was the point of, of doing it. Maybe just to split up probably your two best puck-moving defensemen in Fowler and Montour, and, and again, they, they want to move the puck faster, so they maybe they thought having One of uh, each of them on on a different pairing would help that out. It hasn't. These guys haven't played a lot with each other throughout their careers. It kind of shows. Lindholm usually can play with anybody, but it just really hasn't worked out with Montour. They were okay in the first game. In this game, I think they were the worst pairing the Ducks had, and that's tough to say. I mean, we thought this would be an easy thing for the Ducks this season. The defense pairings would be Lindholm, Manson, Fowler, Montour, and then whoever they want, Pedersen, Larson, Suster, Shen. It doesn't really matter. It's it's better than last year on that bottom pairing. And we would be worried about the forwards. But now we have to worry about the defense pairings too because they, they seem to want to split
1: them up. I don't get it, man. I don't get it. Just looking through the stats. It, it, they it, The whole team played terrible. Yeah. But the bright spot on this team for many years has always been the depth and talent in the defense and the guys they have coming through the pipeline, you, you know, we, you just said their names, you're talking Manson, Lindholm, Fowler, Montour. Those are the top four. The ducks are supposed to lean on. And I'm not sure if it's a systems issue, if they, they're trying to get Randy Carlisle fired or, or whatever <laughs> it is, but these aren't the, these, these are not the types of, of uh, games we're used to seeing from our defense. Sure. If you lose, you figure that it's a little closer, when it comes to when it comes to attempts against and I don't want to be in the nerdy stats guy even though I love them um, it just the whole team is outplayed but our defense has to be better just has to be better I'm not sure where that's heading this season but they need to figure it out because it's not pretty and it's unsustainable to expect to win with games like this
2: yeah and the Ducks have never been a great possession team but we could always rely on, on at least Lynn Manson to be somewhat Good And usually be the best pairing in the, in that sense for the Ducks, usually be above 50% at least and do a good job of driving play and shutting down the other team. And that just hasn't happened because they haven't been put together. And I, I don't know what more you have to see. I, I mean, maybe they're blinded by the fact that the Ducks have won the first two games, but I don't think they're that stupid where they can easily see that they got outplayed, especially in this game. And John Gibson was really the only reason they're anywhere close with some of the saves that he made. I would hope for this next game on Monday that it gets changed up. You know, It's it's home opener against Detroit. They've got to change these pairings up. You can't just continue going with the same lineup just because you've won the first two games and expected it to work because it really hasn't. Yes, you have four points in the first two games, but it, it just hasn't worked. And we saw that in the third period. The play that they were driving at the end of the second where we thought things were getting better completely reversed. The the Coyotes outshot the Ducks eight nothing in the first seven minutes of this period. Yeah, there was a and, and, and yeah, there was a power play. Silverberg was off for tripping. There was a, a couple chances for panic in front, but after you know, getting a goal late, playing well at the end of the second period, you come
1: out and you don't even get a shot for the first seven minutes. It's unacceptable, man. <laughs> it's just this is the worst period I think they've played in the last two games, or in the only two games they've played, I get it. Yeah, um, it's hard to be positive when you see these things. So let, let's talk about the brightest spots on this team, because the guys that, that have created everything in this game, you're talking about Sherwood and Comtois Comtois looks so good still. Yeah. Um. I know he only got one. He only got the, the, the one goal, right? Only the only one that won the game <laughs> for the Ducks. So he's outstanding, man. And it was it was great to see that he's able to keep his play up and still create things for himself. But the biggest story of this third period, and we talked a little bit about it earlier, is Ryan Getzloff pulls up while skating and heads straight to the locker room. Um, You'd mentioned earlier that uh, he was favoring his right leg. That's not good. Um, He's not not ultra old hockey-wise. I think he's like 32 or 33. Um, So it's not like he's breaking down. But, I mean, injuries happen to anybody, and this is just the wrong time for the Ducks to have this happen. I mean, it's never good to get one of those. Uh, one of your top players to be removed from the roster. But when you're talking about no Kessler, no Eves, no Perry and no Kasha. Yes, I said Perry, everybody. I know. I know. But when you lose these guys that you're counting on every single game and then they don't they they can't make the start of the season, then you lose your captain. It just makes it even worse. It's going to be very curious what it does to this lineup. If Getzoff is out, this
2: is an identical start to the season, the same as last year, except they've won the first two games with the injuries that they have. I mean, it's insane. We talked about, oh yeah, everybody's going to be healthy. I think this was a couple months ago. They were saying, oh, Kessler's going to likely be back. Eves is skating again. He should be back. And then nobody else was hurt. No, Perry was still good. Obviously, Getzoff was still good. Cash was still good. Everybody was healthy. We're like, okay, we're going to go into the season. Defense is going to be healthy. Gibson's going to be ready, and we're going to have our best two centers. Patrick Eves is going to be back with Ryan Getzloff. We're going to be good to go. Then, a little bit before the season, we find out Kessler and Eves are probably not going to be ready to go. Okay, fair enough, whatever. We'll see that we get to see the kids. Everybody's still happy. Steele Comtois, Lindström, which we thought, and sure, we are all going to make the team. So it didn't look too bad. Then... Perry ends up leaving, I believe it was game one, right? He left game one or a preseason game. Um, I think it was the last preseason
1: game of the year. He blew yeah. his knee out in warm-up, quote-unquote.
2: So then Perry gets hurt, and we find out later that he's out for five months, and it's a big blow, but it's not too bad because at least, you know, we've still got Andre Kasha who played good in preseason, and the kid, again, the kids are coming up. Then Kasia gets hurt in the, la- in the last preseason game off a of fluke play, and now Ryan Genslav is out, and now all of a sudden... You're missing a big chunk of what we thought was going to be our top nine forge. You're missing Perry and Getzlaff, like you, sa- you said, Kessler and Eves, who are also going to likely be a part of that top six, and Andre Kasher, who was making a case to be a part of that top six. All you have left now, if Getzlaff was out, is Silferberg, uh Henrique has to step up in there now, and that's pretty- and Raquel, and that's pretty much it, of what you thought was going to be your top nine. And now you've got Steele, who has to step up. Comtois, who's done well, but he still has to step up now. You know, Sherwood and Troy Terry really has to get going because he hasn't been good. It's just a mess. I mean, they really can't. And, and Randy Carlo can't get a pass this time. If Getzlav is out and if he's out for, you know, a couple of weeks, a while, whatever, if the Ducks start losing games, you can't blame this on injuries again. Yes, it's tough, but come on. I mean, it's just ridiculous at this point.
1: It's rough, man. I feel like we've had injuries to start the year the past three seasons. It's, it's yeah. just been brutal. Um, let's rush through the rest of this third period. We got it because it wasn't pretty. It, all we guys, all I want to tell everybody is it's the Gibby show. It, it's what it was. John Gibson uh, just carries his team away and makes an unreal save to deny step on. He makes another save uh, on Ekman Larson again. Ekman Larson just buzzing around the net. He's he uh, the entire ice, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's your really favorite pushing for, um, for the Norse this year because you really he like is my, the my favorite. I do really like the Coyotes this year, the way they look. I don't like them more than the Ducks, but I mean, the Coyotes, man, they're going to be good this year. They're the sleeper pick for me. Um, The Ducks decided to go down five on three with a minute left. And that's what everyone's biting their nails going. Okay, Gibby, please (laughs) hold on. Let us get this one, nothing win since we're completely uh, all in the infirmary. No one's well on this team. And Gibby was able to pull it out. Ducks out, outshot, outchanced, outpossessed, outplayed brutally the entire game yet. Pull away with another one nothing victory, my friend. And all thanks to Maxine Comtois. That's the uh, the highlight of the night for the Ducks.
2: Yeah. Uh, not a pretty game. But anytime you get two points, no matter what, you'll take it. Um, it's just like I want I to I, I go back to the, the last five minutes of that game. Because at that no. point, <laughs> five minutes, I just have to. Because I have to talk about this. Closing out games has, all, has been an issue for the Ducks for a while. With five minutes remaining, they're getting outshot sixteen to three by Arizona in a game where they were up one nothing and they had to close out a game. Gibson, again, just the amount of the saves he was making on Ekman-Larsson made a cross crease to deny Step And late, Step on had a chance, missed his shot, but Gibson still made the saves. And then not only that, with minutes to play, you take a delay of game penalty. Silverberg does. Don't know why he had to I, I know he's he was under pressure there, but I don't know why you have to throw it over the board. You could have just chopped it out. You didn't they went tied, they didn't have to make the line change, they could have just tossed it out. And then Carter Brownie takes a high sticking penalty. I mean, this is so typical from what we've seen for the Ducks over the last few years. Late in games where they have a one or two goal lead, they just put themselves in a hole and thank God John Gibson was able to, to take them out of it this time because honestly, this this is what we've seen in the past where the Ducks have gone Shorthanded with minutes to go, and the other team's tied, and then they've lost a point in overtime. And at the end of the season, that hurts you. So, I mean, again, John Gibson, great in this game, was able to dig it out for them. But this is something they, they got to stop doing. You can't stop. You can't keep shooting yourself in the foot in the third period.
1: Yeah, what are they going to learn? Um, it's always been a penalty team ever since yeah. I can remember. This team has always loved uh, getting penalty minutes, being in fights. They've always played that rough style. I mean, at what point do we look at the coaching staff and blame them for how this team plays? That's that's the yeah. question. This um, management group in general. <laughs> the way they manage the team and play. Yeah, they have to. I mean, yeah. it's it's a it's a showing of what happened uh, in the playoffs last year or last year. Yeah. Remember, everyone went nuts. Um, I love Ryan Getzloff. He went nuts, went a little overboard. It was a blowout game and everyone went crazy in that game. And it's, it's just you got to wonder about the management and the coaching staff. And how they handle that I I really felt that That was a fireable offense Last season The way Randy Carlisle Managed that team Uh, This is the last year Of his deal Uh, So I'll I'll be Very curious to see If he gets fired I don't think he will I think they're just Going to let him ride The entire season man I I don't really think That the Ducks Are going to fire him They're just going to Okay we're going to pay him anyway It's his last year Let's not re-up him
2: They would have to do really bad And I think they would have To have a guy Available on the market A coach that they They want And that they really think Might get picked up At the end of the season uh, but, yeah, you you got to at some point start blaming this on the coaching staff because, you know what, they are playing faster. But it, is it playing faster or is it playing frantic? Because it really seems like they're playing frantic. They're, they're moving the puck fast, but there's no organization to it, and they can't get any possession. And it's it's dump and chase still. It's dump and chase. It, it hasn't worked. The zone entries were horrible in this game. They were horrible in the San Jose game. They haven't really been able to get anything going. I think a lot of that stems from the disorganization they have on the blue line right now with uh, the two pairings that just don't seem to be working, and they just can't get anything going, and yeah, injecting these kids has made this team play faster. We saw that on the power play. The the puck move that they have is a lot quicker. When it works, it works well, but it just still seems like they don't really trust the system, I guess, or it's not really set in place yet, and it's just a lot of frantic play that results in
1: them getting outshot 41-20. to So... What's the answer, man? Let's let's get into the post game. What's the answer for the Ducks heading into uh, to the Monday home opener against Detroit? What do they got to do here? Uh, again, this is another team you should be beating, and you should be
2: playing well against. You, like Arizona is a team you shouldn't get outshot forty-one to twenty. I think they're better than Detroit, but you, you shouldn't you shouldn't get outplayed that much by Arizona. They have to go in and completely for one, they got to change the, the defense. pairings. put it back to to Lindholm, Manson, Fowler, and Montour see if that helps. I think it would help. It might not be the be-all, end-all that completely turns this around for the Ducks and they start out playing teams, but I think that will help a lot when you've got some organization and some familiarity on the blue line. Um, and, and up front, it's tough. And and again, I, I I just went on a rant how you don't want to blame this on injuries, but if Getzlaff is out, they don't have a lot to work with. They've got Henrik and Raquel are probably going to play together. Maybe Comtois would jump up there. And then you have a second-line center and steel with Troy Terry and and maybe Cogliano, and it, it, the depth just goes down after there. Maybe Lindstrom would finally draw in, and we'll see that there, but I, I don't know. I, for me, it starts at the blue line. You know, John Gibson is going to be John Gibson. You can't rely on him to do that every game, but he's still going to play well. I think it starts with the defense pairing, see if that changes things, hope Getzloff is healthy, and then continue from there because they showed some signs of, of good offensive pressure in the first game despite getting outplayed by San Jose. Um, I think changing up the blue lines is the f- the first step to really you know moving this in the right direction
1: I mean if you look at this lineup heading into to monday if if it's Ryan Getzloff out, you got almost thirty million dollars of your payroll sitting out of your lineup and Jeez. it's that's insane to think about because that's all your top guys that you're paying you're yeah. you're talking about the guys that we mentioned at nauseam tonight when I mean, you're including caution that group earningss are pretty damn close you Kessler Eves, Getzloff, Perry and Kasha those are all important members of this team. Uh, I know we've ragged on Perry a lot just because of what he's been able to produce uh, you know relative to his cost but I mean hell we could use some uh, some dirty work in front of the net maybe some rebound goals or something ch- some chip ins here early on in the season. We're not going to see that till maybe December if he comes back. Um losing is just devastating if it's for anything longer than a game or two. But yeah, man, having thirty million dollars on your bench isn't going to help you at all. I don't care who you're playing in this league. This league is is still. I mean, even the bad, like the worst teams, are the they still have a chance to win when you're sitting yeah. that many guys out. Oh, for sure. Uh, Matt brings up a good thing in the chat. Um,
2: if Getzoff is out, do they move Raquel back to center until he comes back, or uh, because right now, if they don't, it would be Henrik, Steele, and Lindström. Or would you rather see Raquel, Henrik? Steal and then have Lindström either fourth line center or on the wing.
1: Is that something Randy's done before? Can you refresh my memory on that? I don't.
2: I don't think he's done it in a while. I feel like if I'm trying to remember from last year. I believe Raquel played wing for most of the season, even especially after they picked up Adam Henrique. I don't think they really want to move him back to center anymore. I feel like he's established himself as a, a left winger or a right winger when necessary, and that's it. But when you're when you're at the point now. Where you have to play two rookies at center, and you have still some depth on the wing, do you make that? Do you you make that call? Because you know, do you trust Sam Steele to play second line center? Do you trust Lindström to play third line center? Going up against any team, I I mean, yeah, you You don't have have a choice. choice. I mean, you do have it. The choice is: do you play Raquel at center, or do you play two rookies at second and third line center? I get that. That's the choice you have. I would lean to keeping Raquel on the wing and at least having a top line that has some. You know some depth in scoring to it. You know being able to play Henrique with Raquel and then whoever you want. If you put Raquel to center, you don't really have that many options on the wing anymore. You're, you're basically playing all kids on the wing with Andrew uh, with Andrew Cogliano, and that's pretty much it. So I, I think you, would, I think they want to keep him on the wing at this point. I think even if Getzlaff is out, you see what Lindström can do at third line center. You see what Steele can do at
1: second line center, and then you just play Raquel on the wing. I I think that's yeah, the only You have to have a trigger man. You have to yeah. have the trigger man. You can't have him running around trying to you know trying to do everything in both zones. That's what center's got to do and then rely on him to be a playmaker. Uh sure he can make plays, he could dangle and all, but I mean he's way more of a trigger man than a setup guy. That's why he has Getzloff. So if Getzloff's out on Monday, I would hope that they promote Henrique to center, you know, first line center, and then you gotta keep uh, you know, Raquel on the wing. Uh, this also begs the question Kessler has been traveling with the team. Now he's coming home. Do you think that? I mean, it's it's so hard to make a guess at whether or not he's healthy because it's so under wraps. No one really knows how close he is. All we know is that he's closer than Eves, which is so strange. But do you think this forces Kessler to come back early if this is any sort of long term injury for Ryan Getzloff? If he was, if it wasn't the same, the situation that he's in right now with the
2: hip surgery and with how he played last year at 50%, I would say yes. But I don't, I think they're beyond forcing him back for anything now. I think they showed last year when they forced him back, it didn't work out. And now I think they're a little bit more concerned about just his long term health and being able to still play the game of hockey. Then forcing him back and and you know obviously injuries talk and and then you know you're in a position where you're going to play possibly two rookies at your you're in your top nine and at center maybe he comes back a little bit earlier but uh, i don't think they rush him back if he's not 100 percent. It, it is weird though you would think he would be close if he's traveling with the team right he's traveling he's skating he's he's taking part in practice but we really haven't heard any confirmation that he's close just that he is he is uh performing in practice and he is, well, or was traveling with the team. So, does that mean he's close? I, I would, I would think so. I don't know if it does. I don't think Eves is traveling and skating with the team. I, I could be corrected on that, but I don't know. It's it, it. Maybe he was just close enough that he they wanted him on the trip, and then it just turned out he wasn't exactly ready to go in those two games on the road um and maybe uh the home opener he'll be ready to go we'll have to see um uh, but they could really use him right
1: now especially if Getsloff is out long term yeah i mean we'll see man it's it's a big question mark on this team i think everything right now is a giant question mark cuz it's all kind of depends on what Randy Carlyle is going to do with this lineup and no one really knows what he's going to do because i mean clearly he doesn't understand uh shot metrics or anything like that if he's going to play the same defensive pairing so before yeah. i trash him on that let's see how the home opener goes and a couple of games after, maybe he'll finally start to move him around um, because, he, I mean, we honestly, after these first two games, think it's extremely necessary. But, hey, what do we know? Uh, we're just reading into the end of the game and watching him get caved. But maybe the management team is only saying, hey, we're winning. So yeah. why change anything? Why fix what's not broken? Um, I
2: just, you, they can't be that dumb. <laughs> uh, come on. they. I know you like to rip on general managers and coaches for for maybe not deserving the positions they have. But come on. They can't. They can't be that stupid to be like, yeah, you know what, we're winning. Let's just leave it the same. We we got outshot forty-one to twenty, and and you know our, our possession numbers were awful. But hey, this is I guess how this is how we're gonna win games this year. Realistically, it's not sustainable. I think everybody can see that. There's no way you can play like this for eighty-two games and expect to win enough to make the playoffs. If you're getting outshot, you're shot. They got out doubled in shots last game, and they were awful against San Jose as well. You can't sustain winning games like this because not every night John Gibson is going to be able to play like this. It's just, or or luck isn't going to be on his side. So I I don't know what's going to change. Up front, I honestly have no idea what they can do other than maybe moving some players around. Uh, On the blue line, at least we can look at that and say, yeah, let's put these pairings we're used to back together and see if that makes things a little bit better. And then we can tweak some things and hope that fixes it there. But I have no idea what they're going to be able to do, to be honest.
1: Randy Carlos has got a tough job ahead of him. Uh, for sure, man. You want to get to some of our questions from Instagram?
2: Yeah, sure. We got. I know we have three from Instagram, and I believe we have one from Facebook as well. But um, On Instagram, we covered this a bit, but Jared asked if we think come is playing himself in the lineup and not going back to juniors. We, we talked about this last show, how it's such a Bob Murray thing to do to send him back because it's the easy thing to do like contract wise. Do you think, again, with scoring in this second game here, do
1: you think he's maybe not a lock, but at least playing his way into the lineup? Oh, he's definitely playing his way into the lineup. I mean, they'd have to like, I mean, really be blind. And I know, like you said, I always trash GMs and and coaches for, you know, for their decisions and how they, you know, and how they, and how they go about and, and how they see the game. But honestly, they have those jobs for a reason. I just think some of the stuff they do is outdated. But if they mm-hmm. can't use the eye test to see how Maxime Coumtois is playing, if you just not even look at his stats, he's obviously scoring goals, but he's all over the ice. He looks fast. it's the type of player the Ducks need in this lineup. Clearly he can score. Um I mean, we'll see how long that lasts for him. I mean, I mean, honestly, it just kind of it, it, it goes up and down for scores. Even the grades the grades will tell you. It happens. Or you just get you know Solani's always said you know sometimes you tap the back of the ketchup bottle nothing comes out and other times you hit it and it it just flows forever right you get a bunch of goals and and a few games um it's it's still too young of a season to tell how long he's going to stay in this lineup clearly like you know he could go back down to the queue like we all know but for me i'd keep him i mean you need to have you need to have that type of player in the lineup right now you have no one else to rely on for scoring clearly yeah
2: no i i think if everybody's healthy right um I think there's realistically only spot for one of these four guys in Terry Steele, come to our, and Sherwood in the lineup. If you think if Andre Kasher comes back, if Perry, you know, Perry's obviously longer term. But even if Kasha Eves, Kessler all come back, you know, those are three probably top six spots that get taken. I would assume Eves would go back with Getzlaff and Raquel. Ketzler probably sets up at second-line center. Maybe we see the shutdown line get put back together. I don't know. And then Henrik centers the third line with Kasha, and then maybe Comtois. Maybe that's what we see. I, I don't know. I think there's only room for one if everybody comes back healthy. He's playing better than the other, f- the other three, so maybe that gives him uh, a reason to stick up. But he's also the easiest to send down. Right, um, because you send them back down to junior, or them, maybe not the easiest, but the the most likely in the sense that if if you keep him up, you burn a year off his entry level contract. If you keep Steele and Terry and um, Sherwood up, it doesn't do that because they they have AHL eligibility; they can get sent down to San Diego. So. There's there's a, a two sides to that argument. It's easier to send down the other three because they can go right down to San Diego. But if you keep come to a past the nine game limit, then you have to deal with some contract issues. So he's playing his way into the lineup, but it's only two games in. You know, there's still at least seven more games to really gauge his play if he deserves to be in this lineup or, right now um, or long term throughout the, the rest of the season. I think he does right now. I would keep him up, but knowing Bob Murray. It, it would just be such a an, an easy thing for him to do to send him back down to junior where where he will just tear it up this year he's there's no way he needs more time in junior to develop it's in one of those situations that the Leafs saw with Marner where he's too good for junior maybe he's not necessarily do you think he's 100% ready for the NHL
1: uh, but you can't send him down to the AHL so you're kind of in a in a crappy position there yeah, I agree, man. Uh, Gordon Bombay in our chat says, uh, I have a Sunday question. What are your football teams or are you guys hockey only? Um, I play fantasy football. I don't really give a crap about fantasy football. <laughs> I actually didn't uh, remember to change my lineup, so I'm probably going to lose for the second week in a row. I did start off strong. Uh, I was 3-0. and So now it's probably all downhill here for me. What about you? Well, this is my first year
2: playing fantasy football. I don't really watch a lot of football, but I'm 4-0. and in my first year, so i' i'm pretty i'm pretty pumped with that um my teams today are i have cam Newton, so Carolina, and then uh kareem Hunt so Kansas City. I won't be watching any of these games because it's Thanksgiving here, but those are my teams for today i Thanksgiving I, in Canada I, huh yeah yeah it's thanksgiving <laughs> the the real Thanksgiving, which I probably <laughs> just pissed off oh there you go, pretty yeah, bad it didn't make me mad, don't no worry, yeah. <laughs> Just made everybody else in this in that's listening to the show ever mad because pretty much everybody who listens to the show is is American or from California. So I, I think uh, oh, whatever. I saw Brett in here. I know he's Canadian, so that's okay.
1: <laughs> so we have another question on Instagram, Anaheim Ducks fan asks what happened to Getzloff? We covered that in the show. Uh, we don't know. Uh, he was skating, looked hurt, went to the bench, didn't come back, played about nine minutes and change. Um, uh, Maybe I mean, he means
2: just like what happened to him in general this season just hasn't looked that good. Oh,
1: it's been not even been two, three games. Maybe have not even a quarter <laughs> way through the season. No, I know. That's the, I love that guy on the team, man. I, I, I would never bash Getzloff. I know that he's been, um, I mean, it's been two games. It's hard for me to say something <laughs> harsh. I'd be like, yeah, he's been struggling. It's like, well, I mean, out the gate, the Ducks are notoriously bad. Yeah. So that's just the way our team's always played, notoriously bad out the gates. So maybe this is all just BS. They're getting used to playing, and then they're going to gel when everyone's healthy and will come back for a strong second half. The Ducks always have a strong second half. I don't know why, but uh, I, I'm not going to read too much into it. All I know is that being caved this bad isn't good, and changes have to come. So,
2: Yeah, I think so. The last question we had from Instagram is about Maxim Kometwa again. Uh, Fraser said, with Kometwa scoring in both games, do you think he has the potential, the potential to be elite? That's a, that's a lot of pressure to heap on a guy. Uh, with just the first two games in the NHL under his belt, he has been impressive. But I don't know.
1: Uh, I mean, sure, maybe I don't know, man. That's a that's a tough thing to ask about a prospect. Uh, two games into his NHL career, I'd love to say sure he's going to be elite. And this is you know the Ducks found a gym in the and in, and in, in the draft that wasn't in the first round. Right, he wasn't in the first round. He was a second round, yeah, a second round pick. So elite is a is is a it all that's depends on what you think is
2: elite right now elite for me is an 80 90 100 point guy so i definitely don't think at this point with only seeing two games yeah he scored in both games but you know like you joked earlier he's not going to score 82 goals this year and he's not going to score a goal every game that's just not going to happen i mean there is a unbelievably low chance he could do that but i, I don't know it, it's it's too early for me I, I i still think he's a steal where they drafted him I think he's better than. This. I think he was a top twenty pick that year, but he struggled in his draft year in junior, and that lowered him down to a second round pick. So I think when all said well, all is said and done, he'll be considered a steal for where the Ducks got him. But it, as is, is he's going to be elite. I don't know. You know, do we do we even consider right now Raquel elite? So are you, are you trying to you know are you saying that in the sense that Comtois is going to be better than him? And and I think Raquel was the steal at where he got drafted. So it's tough. I think yes, Kamtova is going to be a good player. He's going to be in the NHL for a long time. But I need to see more of him, uh, more of him with the Ducks to really say if he's going to be elite. Because that's a category I only reserved for you know a few players in this league.
1: Elite to me is like a ninety plus guy, ninety yeah. plus point guy, right? Eighty five to a hundred points. That's that's elite level in, in today's NHL. If you're the if you're between the sixty and eighty. Uh, You're that second tier. You're a great player in this league. Uh, You're not an elite level player. Uh, If Kumsfeld becomes
2: that guy, I mean, that would be amazing.
1: That's a steal. That's that's amazing. They need that.
2: Yeah, if he's a 20-40 guy or 30-30 type guy, I mean, that is insane to get that in the second round and have him play literally no time in the AHL, just come right out of junior and do well, sure. But, I mean, we've seen a lot of guys come in and play really well in their first two games, and now we don't really hear about them. Um, Fabian Brunstrom when he was with Dallas I think he scored a hat trick in his first game and people were talking about how he's going to be you know, uh, the next great scorer for the Stars and I think he's playing in Europe now didn't really make much of a career after that as I mentioned earlier, Al Grant scored in his first two games for the Ducks, there was a lot of hype around him when he did that if he was going to be you know, a, a good defenseman for the Ducks he's no longer in the organization so it, it, it's way, way too early to say if he's going to be elite or even say if he's going to stick with the team for the rest of the year I mean, he could easily go the next four games and not score a goal. He's looked great. I think we can say at, at that point he's been a good player. He, he had a bump up of five minutes. They they seemed to trust him. He played 11 minutes in the first game, played 16 minutes against Arizona. So obviously there's some trust forming there, uh, but we'll see. I, I need to see a lot more games from him to really put him in that category.
1: 100% agree, man. I'm right there with you on him. Do you have the Facebook question before we get to a couple of things?
2: I do. So Joseph Holmes on uh, Facebook, he wanted us to go into a deep dive into Murray's mentality of bringing in vet- veteran defensemen, and he said he feels like Cam and Hampus are at this point vets, uh, or vets, and then bringing in a guy like Shen, who's a stay-at-home defenseman, and bringing in, you know, in the past, Biaska, Stoner, Allen, um, what's the point of bringing those guys in, as, as Rob Murray says, as veteran guys, when you already have, you know, Cam and Hampus, who you could consider
1: veterans of this blue line? Um... It doesn't really hurt the team. I mean, they need to have somebody down in that bottom pair that's going to go along with Pedersen. I don't really feel like there's another defenseman that's probably NHL ready. Uh-huh. Um, sure, we like Mahura. We, well, we we were high on him over the summer, and so that'd be great to see if he could make the team. Uh, Jacob Larson's had all the, all the time in the world to make this team um, and hasn't been able to get past Marcus Pedersen. So there's your answer, I think, for the bottom pair. And I don't mind them rotating in. And I think Bob Murray does trust his top four. I, I would be very concerned if the, he was pairing um, the you know the the veteran defenseman with our young guys like Lenholm yeah. and Fowler, like he did last year. That was a horrible situation, and that burned the Ducks when that when those guys were getting any sort of valuable minutes. If you take Shin and Schuster and put them at the bottom bottom pair, I don't care at all. Every team's got it. Um, you, not everyone has six NHL capable young uh defenseman to play i think ready out the gate you're gonna have a veteran guy everywhere and i mean look at look at uh, how good tampa bay is and they have dan girardi who's just garbage and he's he's playing a bottom pair there you he, just got to fill the role somewhere and if they play limited minutes it does it's not going to hurt your team in the long run
2: yeah i mean i'm not necessarily happy with the seuster and shen signings um but it, it was clear you wanted you know, ian cole <laughs> <laughs> i did until he got that contract but Larson showed that he, he didn't really show that he deserved to be on this team in preseason. He wasn't that great. You know, maybe Maher did, but there was only going to be one spot on the left side that was going to be won, and I think Maher and Pedersen were fairly close, and with Pedersen having experience last year, it made sense to send Maher down. And I have nothing against letting guys play in the AHL or get some experience before calling them up. Um, and, and Walensky, I just don't think he was ready to go on that side either, so... You know, I'll let these guys play in San Diego this season. Maybe we see them come up later and and do better than Suster and Shen. But uh, I, I don't hate the signings. I you know, as for Murray's mentality of bringing in veteran defensemen, he's done it in the past. I I guess you can you know if you're gonna say Fowler and Hampus are veteran defensemen, I or or they are or they aren't. I mean, are Suster and Shen really veteran defensemen? I think he said that about Shen. But he's been in the league just as long, pretty much as Cam Fowler. I think Shen's only about twenty-seven. So again, it's because
1: Cam has a baby face. He
2: doesn't it's have a the uh, man yeah. face.
1: He's got the baby face.
2: What well, so like, like Shen? 19. It's like a loose term. I mean, for veteran, uh, you can either consider that an old guy, you can consider that a guy who's had experience playing in the NHL for you know four or five seasons. If you want to consider that a veteran, and it all depends. And obviously, Bob Murray has a different definition of veteran than some people do. I mean. If I'm thinking of a veteran, I'm thinking of a guy who's 35-plus. But that could also be a definition somebody could think of a guy who's just played a fair amount of time in the NHL and has some experience.
1: Yeah, no, I could agree with that 100%, man. I feel that uh, it is what it is at this point. You're not really going to change the mentality of the Ducks when when they're talking about veteran defensemen unless you change, I guess, the management of the Ducks. So as long as they're running the show, they're going to bring in guys like that. And I kind of feel like the BXA thing was – not only did they kind of like his style of play, but, I mean, Ryan Kessler's really good buddies with him. They played in Vancouver together, so I could totally see that being the reason why. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, uh, we actually have... This is, I think, the first time on the show where we've actually had news come up while we're recording. Uh, Auberg is on waivers, so he's going down to San Diego likely. Um, Maybe making the way for somebody to come back from injury, and Ryan Kessler or Patrick Eves, we'll have to see, but... uh, Or maybe Lindstrom's coming. I don't know. But, yeah, so uh, Elliot Freeman just tweeted out that uh, Aberg is on waivers. So we could be seeing somebody come back, whether it's Casher or Kessler, for home opener against Detroit.
1: Uh, I just saw that, too. I was going to bring it up. I was like, oh, breaking news, breaking news. Elliot Freeman reported it out. (laughs) I I ruined it for you, did I? (laughs) Yeah, so uh, that has to mean they're going to play another kid. They're not going to. Is it, though? uh, What what else could that mean, right? Well, Casher could be back. Or Kessler could be ready uh, concussion, to Concussion, I don't know. Maybe Kessler. Yeah. yeah Maybe but... I'm hoping for Lindstrom. That's what I'm hoping for. I want to see that guy get a chance yeah, to Yeah, but, but
2: Lindstrom was on the roster. I mean, now you, you if if Aberg is getting sent down, you're going down one less roster player. So then you can bring one on, right? Unless they're calling somebody up from San Diego, but I doubt it. So then somebody is going to be coming off IR, I think, and going on to the roster. Because you have to make a a spot. I mean, you don't have to, but if you want to hit the roster limit, you need to bring a guy back off the IR if he's healthy and, and put him on there or call up a guy from San Diego. So I think it means potentially Kasha is ready or Kessler is ready. I don't think.
1: Obviously, Perry isn't, and I don't think Eves is either. So I think it's one of those two. It's a curious time in Anaheim, my friend. All kinds of things going on with all the injuries But uh, let's talk about our sponsor real quick, man. We got to talk about CoolHockey.com. Everyone knows that they sponsor our Forever Mighty three-star, the jersey giveaways. If you're a hockey fan and you love your team and you love its players on your team, uh, you got to go to CoolHockey.com. They offer the high-quality NHL jerseys. They always have great prices. Um, They're an amazing jersey company. Like I said, they sponsor our Forever Mighty three-stars. We've given away jerseys last year. We're going to be doing it again this year. Um, we have one coming up this month. So if you already don't play into our Forever Mighty three stars, go ahead and do that because that's where you're going to get one. In the meantime, even cooler, just for listening to the show, uh, you can go ahead and use a promo code FM20 to get 20% off your next jersey purchase. Go to coolhockey.com and use that promo code and get yourself a brand new Spankin' Ducks third jersey. We're going to see those coming up. That's where you got to go. Coolhockey.com, man.
2: Yeah. And we're, we'll be announcing the third jersey winner that we had going through the summer soon. Uh, cool hockey should have the Ducks jerseys in any any day now, I guess, or any week now. Uh, once they get them in, we'll announce the winner and we'll get that shipped out to them as well. If you haven't seen on our Patreon, we are giving away two tickets. To the, uh, the game on October 21st, that we're, we'll be going to. Uh, that is Paul Career's retirement against the Buffalo Sabres. We're giving two tickets in the 200 level, I believe. So if you guys. Absolutely. Yep. So that's available to anybody who becomes a Patreon on Patreon. Uh, $1, $3, $5, $10. Doesn't matter. That giveaway is just to kind of give back to everybody who's supported us so far.
1: Yeah, man. We have other we have other things on there that you guys can be a part of as well. Bonus shows. We're recording a bonus show today. Apparently, the uh, my beautiful co-host, uh, Jason, who's not here yet, he's going to be here shortly. We're going to be doing a rant show where uh, he tries to piss me off with Eddie on the other end of it. So <laughs> that's going to be fun. If you're a Patreon subscriber... It's not hard. <laughs> it's on one of the tiers. Yeah, it's not hard to piss me off. But I'll definitely be uh, ranting about some things that our Patreon people have uh, put together and suggested. And uh, that'll be a fun one there. We also are going to do a top 10 show. Uh, we're going to do our pucks of brews. We're going to drink beer, talk hockey. And uh, we're also going to have a Q&A show where you guys can just sit in with us. We'll talk for a bit about hockey or whatever comes to mind for you guys just to chat and have fun. So go support us on Patreon. All of it's going to go back to you guys. Thank you guys for all the support. Um, if you don't do Patreon, we still love you anyway. And enjoy. Uh, we enjoy having you guys on live. And we'll talk to you guys soon. You know where to find us, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, uh, Forever Mighty. Check us out there. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye, guys.